Welcome to the Woodshop Life podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Sean Walker of Simple Cove, and I'm joined today by Hui Huen, the Alabama woodworker. Hey, Sean. Hey, Hui. And Guy Dunlap of Guy's Woodshop. Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, Guy. This podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon account. Right now we have one level and we're simply asking for a small donation just to try to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash woodshoplife to show your support. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear what we got going on in our own shops. But with that, let's get right into it. Guy, what's your first question? This is from Mike. And Mike says, hey guys, from time to time I've been asking questions and you've always provided great advice. You must be listening to Hui and Sean then. My question is, I'm tuning up my joiner and I have the table's coplanar within two thousandths of an inch out, 18 inches from the cutter head. Is this close enough? Should I invest in a longer straight edge? Currently, I'm using a 24-inch ruler from a good combination square. Looking online for straight edges, the stare at 36-inch is two forty-seven fifty. Wow, that's pricey. Yeah. And it's accurate within the two what is that two one hundred thousandths of an inch or two ten thousandths two ten thousandths of an inch point zero 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 to ten thousandths of an inch i also found the veritas 36 inch aluminum straightage for 44.90 and it is accurate within three thou how accurate of a straight edge do i need how long do i need it and can i get away with an aluminum straight edge thanks so much for your thoughts mike gitberg well, your first question, Mike, is 24 inches enough or 18 inches out from the cutter head, then 2,000 is, is close enough. I'd say that's pretty damn good. Yeah. And myself, I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, you want within a foot or so, because I'm when I, when I surface four sides, I'm doing face joining. Mm-hmm. After it gets about a foot, maybe 18 inches past the cutter heads, I'm transferring my hands to that side of the cutter head. Right. And I'm going hand over hand, pressing on that, on the outfeed table. And it rarely goes more than 18 to 24 inches past that where I'm putting pressure on. So if it's flat within 18 inches, I'd say you're pretty good. If you want to go beyond that, I have the Veritas straight edge. I don't think it's 38 inches. I think it's longer than that. It's like 40 or 50 inches. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's it's longer than 38 inches. Mm. And I can't remember how much I paid for it. Uh, I really like it. And the aluminum is fine because there's no chance of hitting your blade when you're adjusting things. And you're, I use, I spin, when I, when I, set it, I put the straight edge on top and I spin the blade and I want it to catch the straight edge just a little bit and move it forward like a sixteenth of an inch. Mm -hmm. So I would rather have aluminum. Does that make sense? Yep. Did I explain that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. What 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 do you do? You have the same setup I do, Sean, with the (laughs) with the with the jet. So what do you do? Adjust it pray and lock them down and then hope it stays. But no, I, <laughs> it's not the best. It's not the funnest machine to adjust, but yeah, I mean, 
I, I agree with you. And then I, I get I get as close as I absolutely can without fighting on it with it too long. And then I, you know, make a pass. And if the, everything on the board looks good, it's flat. There's no, there's no. Uh, I don't have a come out with there with a salad wedge on the with the board. It's <laughs> nice and flat. Then I'm happy with it. And well, I mean, I, do you have a, a straight edge that you use or? Yeah, I have a 24-inch uh, Veritas aluminum. I'd love to get a longer one, but the Veritas aluminum, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, it's a great – it's a perfectly flat, straight edge. Um, it's aluminum, like you're saying. So when you're rotating the board or rotating the, the cutter head, it, you know, it's uh, so you can see if it's too high or too low. You don't have to worry about that too much. Yeah. But, yep, that's what I have is I have the 24-inch. I'd love to get the 50-inch, but – um, yeah, that's what mine is 50 inch yeah, yeah. it's a it's a good straight edge yeah what, what did you do before that before you got the the veritas straight edge do you remember oh man before that um i probably honestly like this is i probably just used something that's well it's been so long i probably used something i bought at lowe's like a, a, <laughs> a 36 inch a cobalt yeah a co- 36 inch cobalt uh ruler i mean i I didn't get, I wasn't too picky, but then again, I wasn't, I wasn't too, you know, up to speed on this stuff mm-hmm. way back when, before I had the Veritas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I think Veritas also makes a 42 inch as well. well and I have, mine's 42 inch. I know mine's not 38 inches. It's, it's longer than that. Yeah. It's longer than 38. I, I, I have the 42, uh, is what I believe I have. And, um, I use the Veritas, uh, aluminum straight edge and it works fine. And before I had that, I was just using a 12-inch ruler. I did not have a, when I started, I did not have a joiner where you could lift, raise, and lower the outside part of the jointer. It was on dovetail ways, and I believe the way you end up having a shim, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, To raise if it sags. And so I was not concerned with, Oh, coplanality. I don't know if that's a word. Yeah, the <laughs> but, <laughs> like, we, know, we know we know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not concerned with the beds being to make it a word though. Coplanality. <laughs> um, but I, I have the hammer A three thirty one now, and also I uh, at one point I had the Grizzly parallelogram uh, mm-hmm. joiner, and so that machine had a lot of adjustability and it was actually relatively easy to adjust even with all those adjustment points because i think yeah. there were four uh, two in the front two in the back of each bed yep i have and, the same joiner and it was great to like that and that thing held its uh settings too but i don't yeah. have any problem with mine losing its settings uh, i know sean's uh, had some issues but i haven't had any issues i haven't had any issues either so um Sean, you got the dud. Sorry, buddy. Uh, look, I I bet you a hundred bucks. It's I, I adjust it when I first got it, and I probably messed it all up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's easy to do on that machine. I, I I spent like a day trying to get mine done, and I I messed with it, and I shouldn't have messed with it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it, you got to do a rain dance and all kinds of stuff when you mess yeah. with that thing. I spent more time cursing myself for messing with it. Yeah. Yeah, because it was fine, right? And you're yeah. like, oh, maybe I can just get I a little dial bit. it a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. Every time yeah. you close the table or pull the table down and lock it, depending on how hard you lock it in, it moves the table and everything. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. But fun. Um, 
Mike, in answer to your question, I think that covers a lot of it. And, you know, even before I had the, the Veritas, I just used a, a fiberglass uh, level. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, oh, like yeah. You know what, long. guy? That, that's probably what I used beforehand. That's, yep. that's what I used to use before I bought that thing. And I would just clamp it on one side so it would, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it worked. Yeah. That's you exactly know. what I did. Thanks for the reminder. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it. I don't know who has the next question. We oui. will go to Hui. Yeah. Yeah. This is from Vafa. And it's a little bit long, but it, I think it's kind of interesting what he's doing. I'm a newbie in woodworking, and I'm working on my indoor stairs to the second floor. Stairs are completely removed, and we plan to have an open riser, three and a half inch thick tread. I have somebody who confirmed the structure and adapted it to city codes for me, so nothing dangerous is happening here. We sure hope not. Uh, I am trying to get the cost down while I like the walnut look. And because of that, I am thinking of ripping an alternating grain on 2-inch by 12-inch nominal lumber from the big box store and making 3-inch by 11.5-inch by 37.5-inches long butcher block of southern yellow pine, construction grade, kiln dried, and veneer it with quarter-inch walnut. That's interesting. I am buying a 16-inch by... 16 foot two by 12 kiln dried Southern yellow pine. Bafa, I think is from another country. So it's a little bit difficult to read, but we're, we're, we're getting through it and we'll still be ripping it after stocking it for a month in my garage. Should I be worried about wood movement? I mean, movement between the walnut and the Southern yellow pine. I'm not worried about the Southern yellow pine core because I have, I've made one of these uh, about two months ago. And it's still been staying inside with us and cupping and twisting has not been observed. Will the quarter inch glued uh, walnut veneer, is that going to be good enough for this application in terms of resisting wear and tear? I am all, I am using regular wood glue for making the core. Any advice on the glue for making the core and the veneer? Uh, Will you approach this, the same, this method for this project? If not, what would you do? Uh, I don't know uh, to answer the very last question. I don't know if I would necessarily do it the way you did. You're, you're describing. That's very interesting. Um, my get guy, correct me if I'm wrong. He's essentially making like a lumber core. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. I think for the most part, I would be concerned about the Southern yellow pine if it were not sort of being processed the way he's describing it. I wonder if even letting it sit inside of his house for, I don't know, months. And I would imagine that's sort of what he would need to get it to go from 20% moisture content, which I think is typical construction grade lumber, even kiln dried, uh, to a moisture content that I would be considered usable for, say, furniture. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, the way I'm reading the question is that they're open treads. Right. For open risers. So yeah. the top and bottom of the tread will be visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're yep. three and a half inches thick. That's wow. That's some really th- That's yeah. some really thick material. I'd be tripping going up them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I, I think what I would do, I would not try to make them solid wood core. 
I would go for three inches. So, does it have to be that thick? Though three no, inches. He's he's, he's he's got a look in mind. Let's let's help him get his look in mind. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That, that's I think it's fair enough. Um, I I would make the core plywood, mm-hmm. like four four sheets of three quarter. Yeah, four sheets of three quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, cross band them, and I would not use yellow glue. I think quarter inch veneer is fine mm-hmm. if you use the plywood core. But I would yeah. also not use yellow glue. I would use the, the uh, urea resin glue. Yeah. Oh, in between the cores as well? In between the cores. All of it. Lock okay. it down. All of it. Lock it down. There's, yeah, there's no shrinkage. Here. There's no movement. And I think that would be much more stable than the interior of Southern Yellow Pine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I imagine you, gosh, doing all that wood work for Southern Yellow Pine because you're going to be ripping it and jointing it and yeah. <clears throat> Facing it and all it's like, oh, no. let me, let me ask you all a question on this. And this just could be that I'm just a little confused, which is quite possible. Yeah. So Vafa is wanting it to be three inches thick before he applies the quarter inch top and the quarter inch bottom, which gives him his three and a half. Yes. He's buying two by 12, which as we know is two by 12. What is that? How thick is that? One, 1. 1.75. Yeah. Okay. So one it, and a half, one and one and three quarter. Okay, so he's he's either going to, but he says butcher block. So, and I apologize if I'm, this is a dumb question. Um, does that mean that he is like going to cut that into strips and glue it together? Is that going to mean he's going to do an end? Like, what is the butcher, what is the butcher block? Why does he, wonder why he says that? I what? think he's cutting them into three and a half inch thick strips and then glue, having them on their edge and then okay. gluing them up. So they're like, so that it, helps minimize movement right yeah i think i think he's saying butcher block as like a, a laminated workbench top gotcha yeah. oh that's, okay. that's why i'm taking it okay yeah 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 okay yeah I, I agree with guy um what does yeah and this is just a question back to to vafa what would you gain using southern yellow pine over something like plywood at that thickness i mean you could run over that stuff with a tank if you laminated plywood like that, yeah, four pieces, three quarter, this could be very stable. Well, it's yeah, possible he didn't think of it. I mean, there's things I, I got. Yeah. I got schooled today by a, you know, an 18 year old kid. I couldn't figure this problem out, and I said, oh, "What do you think of this?" And he goes, "Oh, do this one." I'm like, "Oh gosh." Yeah, you'll have to tell us about it. In the- nope, <laughs> no, no, nope. all oh, because it's he didn't nope. think of it. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, it's embarrassing. And I don't know what the price of that two by twelve. This may also save you a little bit of money too. But then Maybe. again, plywood is very expensive. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I I don't that I agree with guy. He gets he gets the gold cup on this one. I agree with him. Ooh. Ooh. And I agree with you too, Fui. By the way. <laughs> uh, it's off to you, Sean. Excellent. All right. My first question is from Broken Pine, and I. Uh, I think I may have copied down your name wrong on the last episode as Broken Pipes. So I apologize about that. <laughs> <laughs> broken Pine. Um, so his, their question is, how often should I be cleaning my planer roller? And do you know of any plans to build a rolling lunchbox planer, lunchbox planer stand or cabinet? I have the HD rigid 12-inch planer. So I guess a better question is how often should I change blades in the joiner and planer and maintenance my cheaper tools I use daily to rid of snipe and seemingly 
guy crooked planer bed. I'm not sure what that means. And a seemingly guy crooked planer bed. Well, I can uh, I'll cover a couple of those and then leave a little bit of a little bit of meat on the bone for uh, Guy and Hui to talk maybe about the other items. But so let's talk about your planer roller. How often should you clean that? And typically, if you're the indicators, if your wood isn't feeding through the planer properly, you've got about well, there's more than three things to check, but let's say you have three items to check. One being the beds of the planer. Are they clean? Are they waxed? Next, do you have dull cutters, which sometimes you can determine by looking at the surface of the wood. Uh, do you see tear out? Do you see lines from a chipped blade? Uh, do you just notice an overall rougher surface? That means you got dull blades. Uh, if it's not those two, the final, well, one of the final items, you, you always want to preface this with, there's could be more, but the final item that I would check before cussing and throwing a fit would be the uh, the rollers to see if they're dirty uh, you know they will get dirty and can and if they're not gripping the workpiece they're not going to pull the board through so i would that's my indicator like if i'm having issues getting a board to go through if it's sticking and i know it's not the bed i know it's not the you know i just rotated the knives well i need i need to stop and clean the roller and i'll typically do that with um, something like a denatured alcohol or a mineral spirit just wipe it with a rag make sure it's nice and clean and then uh, feed the board through there and and all as well. Mm -hmm. So second part of your question is pretty much, you know, how do you determine when the blades are bad in, in a planer? And I know that you talked about the joiner and other stuff, but I'll let Guy and Hui answer those. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to say the same answer. You know, if you know your planer bed is is clean, your rollers are clean, but it's not pulling through or you're getting tear out or your your uh, surface is a little fuzzy or it's not looking not looking as crisp. Uh, then I think it's time to sharpen your blades or, or swap them out for a new set. I mean, that's a mm -hmm. pretty good indicator of of, uh, of something going on with those three things uh, if they seem to be uh, checking out. Um, but that that's kind of how I don't I don't have any set schedule of okay today's the third week of the month time to clean the rollers type thing. I probably should, um, but I let the machine kind of tell me well it's it's taking it's struggling a little bit longer a little bit harder than it should pulling this board through. So let me check the rollers. Let me wax the bed. Let me look at the the surface of the wood. Is it time to rotate the cutters? Um, and you can kind of you know figure out which of those three ends up being the issue on the blades and the roller on that. But as far as uh, you know, the joiner um, and the uh, other maintenance of your cheaper tools, Hui, uh, what do you got for broken pine on on uh, maintenance of cheaper tools and that he uses daily in his joiner blades? Yeah, so a lot of times uh, you might actually think your blades are dull, but it depends on what it is that you were cutting beforehand. You might want to also check the blades to make sure that they're properly clean because you can get pitch buildup on those blades as well. And that'll increase the amount of noise that you uh, are getting from the joiner or planer itself. So just keep that in mind that that might be one thing. I don't know about you, Sean, but my nine times out of 10, when it's not properly feeding through the bed, I've got, you know, that a combo machine similar to yours, not the same, but similar. Uh, and it's nine times out of 10 is the planer bed. It just is yeah. dirty uh, or it is not sliding properly across the planer bed anymore. I don't know why, but for some reason I have to do it. I have to wax it like every other uh, use. I'm, I'm there with you. I struggle with mine as well. Maybe I, yeah, I agree. Uh, check, check the, the rollers that you have. So depending on the type of rollers you have, you might want to use something different to clean it, particularly if they're rubber rollers. Uh, I don't know if you necessarily want to use a solvent, 
but my guess is that probably a mild solvent like mineral spirits is probably fine. Uh, but my rollers, I don't know about yours, Guy or Sean. Uh, y'all's rollers are are they serrated? Are they metal? One, one rubber. One yeah, one metal. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. No, that's it. Got nothing more to say about that. Uh, just pay attention to the noise. Noise is a huge indicator. If you got a lot of noise coming from uh, your machine, then probably time to change the blades uh, or at least check them. Guy, let me ask you a question. Uh, second part of this here for you, if you don't care. Um, hmm. Do you maintenance? What, what about your other tools um, for maintenance? Well, it's outside of our main, you know, planer, joiner, type stuff is it what about your hand tool do you do any other type of maintenance on outside of those two tools um i typically will do most of the maintenance on the tools i use the most i know that's a kind of a cop-out mm-hmm. um but the planer joiner i mean it works or it doesn't work and I had a, a lunchbox planer for years, uh, probably 12 years that I used the DeWalt. And if it wasn't feeding properly, I I, I never cleaned the, the rollers on it, ever. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. I just always put wax on the bed and it started working again. Um, that's That was always my fix for it. As far as the other tools go, I don't know if I necessarily do like maintenance but I regularly check the setup. Yeah. To yeah. make sure everything is still where it should be. So, for like example, my table saw, I check the fence quite a bit, which only takes a minute to do, but I do it because I move my equipment around a lot. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the bandsaw. I check the perpendicular. Perpendic- is this a word? We perpendicularity? Ooh. <laughs> Of the bed to the <laughs> blade, um, because when I move that thing, I grab it by the bed and I <laughs> wheel yeah. it around. So things like that, I check quite often. Um, but for the most part, things like you know, cleaning the cast iron tables or the beds or the ways or whatever you want to call them, only mm-hmm. when they need it. Yeah. So much of this comes off, I, I believe, and one of the reasons why I keep a clean shop is that in maintaining a, a clean shop, you know, I don't have tons of sawdust just accumulating on my tools. So they never really hold, I guess, a lot of moisture. Does that make sense at all? Uh, and I've never had rust issues. I've never had rust issues. Even before I had uh, a, a, an HVAC in my shop, I didn't have rust issues. But, you know, I kept my garage closed, so. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, I think um, yeah, yeah, guy has a point. It's if you're the joiner and planer, they either like work or they don't. When you have issues like that, it's not fun fighting with the planer. I can't tell you how many times I'd fought with the planer, pushing a board through, and it stops, and I have to push it and stops and push it, and I'm like, all right, you win. Turn it off, <laughs> wax the bed, and then I'll go like, oh man, this is so much better. I don't know why I do that. And then two weeks later, I'm pushing it in, it's stopping. I'm like, ugh. Oh yeah, that's right. It's dirty. Yeah, when I, when I'm at work, we you know everybody uses these machines, and I just assume that I'm the only one that ever waxes them. So I wax the beds for mm-hmm. the planer and the joiner every time I use them. Yeah, it only takes you know less than a minute. Yeah, to do 
just I'm a very, very light coat of wax. Blow off all the dust, throw a quick thin coat of wax on it, and you're off to the races. And I don't have to worry about any of that crap. Have you ever, and this is kind of sidebar conversation here, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Have you ever, like, cleaned your tabletop, your table saw top surface with, um, like with really fine grit sandpaper. So for instance, like if you had a bunch of scratches on it, like real light scratches, have you ever sanded it down to remove those? And then I've used a random orbit sander to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was curious. Cause I want to, I need to do that on mine and like do a, like a high grit sanding and then reclean it. Yep. Yeah. I've just yeah. used a, I have a, a dedicated random orbit and old, really old, you know, 25 year old Bosch that I use. I, okay. I throw a piece of sandpaper on there and I throw some, um, uh, what do I use? WD-40? Uh, yeah. It's not WD-40. It's something else. I have a can. I can't think of what the can says on it. Anyways, I spray some of that on there. It's just a lubricant, like an oil yeah. and I, and I wet sand it. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. And that's it. And it's, it, no, it's got some. I, I don't get it to where it's got to have this mirror-like shine on. I really don't care. Yeah, I just want to get all the because I do get a couple spots here and there because it's in the garage and it's underneath the garage door. So when it rains, you open the garage door, you get water yeah. spots on. Yeah, true. So I, I get rid of those pretty quick, and that's typically what I use. But after a while, it's got these shiny spots all over it. Yeah, and it just looks <laughs> bad. So yeah. I'll I'll just go over it real quick with the 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 random orbit sander and clean it off guy you know why i don't get those rain spots because my, my my door is underneath my my uh table saw is underneath my garage door it's because i got a gigantic table saw sled on there that's why i don't get <laughs> that's, why. <laughs> that's why i don't get those rain spots on there <laughs> yeah, well, i get them on my planer and my my joiner planer and my table saw because they're yeah. right underneath the door this episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools, maker of Shaper Origin. Shaper Origin is an intuitive handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Working with Origin is simple. You steer the Origin while it makes the necessary real-time adjustments to ensure clean, accurate results. With its easy-to-use touchscreen interface, you can quickly create designs on the spot or upload existing project plans. It's small enough that you can use the Origin in the shop or take it with you on the job site. With Origin, traditional workflows become easier and more reliable. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Learn more about Shaper Origin at shapertools.com forward slash woodshop. As an added bonus, you can try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Upgrade your workshop today at shapertools.com forward slash woodshop. All right, Guy, you have the next one. Go ahead and keep, keep chatting away. All right. Now I got to find that darn question. Where did it go? <laughs> See, I'm not ready. I'm just unprepared. I'm always unprepared. Have you noticed that? All right. Wow. So this question comes from Tom. And Tom says, my question is that I have two logs from the same branch, but non-contiguous and need two nightstands primarily composed of a 16 inch by 14 inch high by 12 inches deep mitered box or case one log is dead straight grain and the other beginnings of a crotch aesthetically would each of you combine the two logs to make two truly book matched nightstands 
or use one log for each nightstand matching grain within the, within the individual nightstands, but not between the pair. That's confusing even reading it back. So call me if you have any questions, or contact me if you have any questions. For reference, the bed these will flank is a California King, so there's a good deal of distance between them. It's not like they'll be on both sides of a twin, Tom. That's a really good question, Tom. I think that really boils down to personal preference. I have a California King and that, that bed is just gigantic. And there's, unless you're standing like 10 feet from the edge of it, and I've got two nightstands on either side that I made, you're not going to be able to see the nightstands unless you're standing a good distance from it at the same time. Definitely not from within the bed. You're only going to see the tops. Um, anyways, myself, I would make each one individually unique. And worry about the grain match of the of the grain match on the the individual piece itself, because I'm I'm a big believer in you know picking the correct grain for the the, the project. So if if I'm looking to book match things things of that nature, I'm going to try to get as much as I can out of one board quote unquote, one board or a log in this case to go with each nightstand. Plus, I think I get a better, not a gray match, but I think I get a better color match. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, what do you think, Sean? I 100% give you the stamp of approval. I agree with you because <laughs> if you combine those two, you're not only fighting with grain, but you're going to fight with color. And I yeah. think you're going to make two awkward looking though although probably beautiful um versus you know two that are different but they're the same in that one of them matches the grain and the color the other one matches the grain and the color uh, and, and and it has a little crotch or whatever yeah the, i would i think that you'll have two unique nightstands that are the same yes. design and mm -hmm. versus two that are kind of a mixed match of both i, I agree yeah and they're far enough apart where you know, only a, only another woodworker is going to notice any of that stuff. Anyway, yeah, we would appreciate it. But even at that, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I don't think, I don't it, think it would so. be more difficult. It would be more difficult trying to mix the two and getting them to. I mean, they would yeah. match each other, right? But I think individually, the top would clash. You know, yeah. Just... I don't think it'd be too hard to get the two to match together because I mean most of the time when I'm building let's say a nightstand I'm picking certain types of grain mm -hmm. for certain parts of the nightstand so for example like a shaker nightstand I'm choosing riff grain riff sawn grain for the legs so I get nice straight lines with no um uh cathedrals cathedrals on them uh thank yeah. you and on the rails and the the, the aprons and stuff like that I'm always going to go with flats on because I do want yeah. cathedrals. Yeah. And the top, it's dealer's choice. Yeah. yeah. So you could easily take as much out of the, the 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 legs and the sides and make those almost identical and just pick and choose which piece of wood is the best for both 
not for right. each one individually, but just for, you know, eight legs and eight sides. And yeah. then just do something unique with each top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could, you could get the, the best of both worlds when he, the, of the question he's asking. Yeah. The only thing that I would be concerned about is how big these logs are. If he's talking about they're from a branch. So that's something I would, would be curious yeah, about. He doesn't tell us what kind of wood it is or how big that some branches are pretty damn big. Yeah. So it's hard to say, but the nightstand isn't that big. So if it's 16 inches by 14 inches on the, on the, or 16 by 12 on the top, um, it says it's a deep mitered box case. So it sounds like it might be something like a mid-century modern type thing. Yeah, that's true too. It, it really doesn't say. I guess I should have contacted him with questions. Since he <laughs> Here's the thing. If he's needing one log, if he's needing both logs, then it sounds like they're not super big considering both of these are not, they're not really big yeah, that's true. cases. That's true. I think you can go both ways with this. Yeah, I, it just depends on how the how the lumber mills out. Honestly, yeah. Tom, just do a live stream and we'll we'll follow along and then we'll give you our opinion when you mill the lumber. <laughs> we'll give you our, we'll give you our opinion once you've got them built, anyways. Yeah, we'll judge you when you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. all right. Thanks for the question, Tom. Yep. Wait, what do you got for all us? Right. All right, this is from Jeff, and Jeff is Australian. He says, good day, team. It's the old guy, older than Guy, from Australia, who potters around in the shed in his thongs. Aussie footwear guy. It's Aussie footwear. <laughs> I was going uh, that's, that's a that's a very, very nasty visual. Old <laughs> guy in a shed walking around in a thong. <laughs> I recently bought a DeWalt 735 thicknesser because I, I like that as well. He calls them a thicknesser because I like to use reclaimed wood, but I really don't have a clue what am I what I am doing, but you need to start somewhere. Absolutely. Anyway, I recently used the thicknesser on a couple of large pine blanks that came from some sort of industrial packaging, which were, which were approximately five inches wide and three inches tall. I use Imperials for you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. I ran both blanks through the thicknesser, jointing one side first by using a planer sled and some shims, and then running the other side through, squaring up the sides to each other, and then gluing both pieces together to make a blank for a bandsaw box. Everything seemed good at the first stage. I started to cut the blank on the bandsaw only to realize that it wasn't square to my table and that I had actually made a square block that was tilted. Think something like a parallelogram. I wanted to use a big word so we would feel at home. Gosh, he's like he's like accommodating all of us. It's it's wonderful. I don't see my name. Well, he's cheap. (laughs) He doesn't have a joiner. (laughs) How can I square this up? The block is approximately five by five and my table saw height is three inches. I probably did this all backwards, but even though I'm old enough to remember dust being invented, I still like to learn. <laughs> Do I need to buy a joiner? Thanks for your help. P.S. The nurse is cranky, cranky with, my, with me uh, because I took some other guy's slippers and won't take my medication. Hope you guys get, get this while I'm still alive. Still no saw stop. Oh, you're funny, Jeff. Good sense of humor. Um, 
Oh, so what happened here? He went through the planer uh, on a uh, sort of a planer bed for his uh, for his planer. Then he flipped it. Planer sled. Not this. He didn't flip the sled. He no, flipped no, no, the piece. No. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. So then he flipped the piece when he once he created a flat with the planer sled. Flipped it, went through, and then he did it with the other side, but he did not get the two sides to be uh, perpendicular to each other. They he made he made two parallel sides. He didn't make one uh, two sides parallel with or perpendicular to the other two sides. And this would be, I think, in most cases, I think the the kicker here is because he's already got it assembled at five inches thick. I think originally it was three inches thick. And so he glued two pieces together to make the five inches. Um, I think what you might have needed to do beforehand is use some type of jointing sled on your table saw or do uh, do something. Well, it wouldn't be the router table because he wouldn't have a bit tall enough for three inches. But the planer sled I think, or uh, jointing sled for the table saw is, is maybe the way I would have gone and maybe would have gotten everything square before you glued it up. Does that make sense? I wonder how he was, how he, if he used the planer sled and shimmed the piece so it didn't move, mm-hmm. how is he not able to get that? No, parallel? he has, so he has two faces. They're parallel to each other. He does not have the two other sides. He didn't flip them. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like that's, he, like he did. He did. Yeah, because, he flipped it, and and then running the other side through, squaring up the sides. So he has a tilted parallelogram. Oh, I know what he did. Yeah, what did he do? I know what he did. He flattened a face. Yep. He used his planer as a jointer. Yep. Face jointed with the slide. Yep. And since the boards were three or. Uh, Five inches wide, three inches three tall. Three inches tall. What he did was he flipped it on edge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And ran it through. And then that's how it happened. Instead of yep. end for end, he rotated it to the left or right. Well, yeah, he just flipped it up, did the face, and then flipped it up on its edge and then ran it through and got that edge perpendicular. But the other face wasn't parallel with the previously jointed face yeah so yeah he should have yeah. done the other face to yep. make those and then bada boom bada boom yeah it doesn't sound like he has a table saw from what i don't know what he's got he's, no he has a table saw did he say table he's saying uh it's just how can table- i square this up the block is approximately five yeah. inches by five inches and my table saw height is three inches yeah, i think so what, what he's I gonna think- have to what he's going to have to do is the same thing he was doing before. I'm sorry to cut you off. He's going to have to put it on the sled. Yep. The other side. No, just forget about that. Forget about what he's done before. He's got a a square blank. He's going to have, and whenever you do surface four sides or squaring four sides, um, you have to start with one reference face, right? Yeah. So you do that with the planer slide. Got mm-hmm. this five inch, roughly five inch block. Now get one through with the sled, you get that one face flat. 
take it off the sled and flip it over so that face that you just jointed is on the bed mm-hmm. of the thicknesser. Your reference face. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. your reference face. So now then how you do you get the two other it, sides perpendicular? The, you're going to have to, a bandsaw would be, is right. what I would use. Yeah. But if you don't have one, you're going to have to make two cuts with the with the table saw. Flip it and friend. Flip it and friend. Yeah. See what I was yeah, I I I get what he was that that's what I was saying is that to eliminate all this in the first place what he would have done to just to like nip this problem in the bud when he had two pieces, I would have done either the bandsaw, like you said, guy, or on the table saw first. Yeah. Like a- after, after you had uh, two parallel faces. Yeah. I don't think he did parallel pace. Pl- he did parallel faces. He did adjacent edges. Mm, okay. Yeah. He said, use the thing and then running either side to then you did the, the, the planer sled. And mm-hmm. then running the other side, side squaring up the sides. Doesn't yep. necessarily say that he did an adjacent side or a parallel side. Yeah. Yeah. The way I would just recommend when you're doing something like that, mark both faces with the marker. Yep. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I get confused doing that, especially on a five by five, like a yeah. block like that. Just mark two faces. Mm. So that way you know which ones you're doing. Taking the removing the stuff off of. I always mark the ungrain. Mm, yeah. Good point. Anyways, that's a that's a t- I don't know how that all happened. I, I, we can only assume some things. Yeah. But I think it's just a procedure thing, and to to cut that five inch thick, you really don't have much of a choice except for raise your blade up to its three inches. Make flip it in for and cut it in for and cut it again. Yeah. All right. All right. Sean, I think you got the last one. I do. Okay. This one is from Twin Lakes. This was from Twin Lake Woodshop. Hello, everybody. First time listener, long, t- long time caller. Wanted to hear of any shop items you use that would be more eco-friendly. An example that comes to mind is instead of using the disposable glue brushes is using a silicone one. Thanks. This is a good question, and I could only come up with maybe, maybe one good answer. But I wanted to bring this up because, A, we're running out of questions, and it's a good question to answer. And, B, I would like to be more eco-friendly in the uh, shop. So the first thing that – and I'm going to I'm gonna answer one and then pass it around like that way because there's not too many eco-friendly woodworking supplies. So I don't want to take one of three of them. Um, yeah. First thing that came to mind when I, when I thought about this – that I use and it's maybe eco-friendly are the reusable glue bottles um, is, yeah. is the, is one thing that I can, can say is maybe eco-friendly um, just by the larger, the larger tight bond gallon jugs and just pour it into the smaller reusable bottle. Maybe um, mm-hmm. that's, that's my first answer. Uh, you mean like a glue bot or something? Yeah. Yep. So do either one of you two have something that you can throw in there? It's kind of difficult. It's not too many of them. No, I, I, I'm not like super green, but I'm, I'm aware of it and I do the best I can, but I don't base every decision on that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not oblivious to it either. 
I guess mm-hmm. is a good way to put it. Um, I really look at what I throw in the trash. There's things that, you know, I, I say, well, if I do this, you know, a good example is like when I'm finishing mm-hmm. and I've got a lot of scrap stuff, you know, how can I reduce the amount of, you know, solvent soaked rags or finished or, or anything that has finish on it that's dried, you know, how can I reduce that amount while I'm doing it? I just, I have a big box of rags, but I try to use them as much as possible before I dispose of them mm-hmm. because I don't want to fill up the trash full of crap that I know is just going to end up in the landfill. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and speaking of glue brushes, I actually, I read a pretty funny little article from Chris Swartz. He reuses his acid brushes. He cuts them to about five eighths in length. And then he just, when he's done gluing it up, he just sticks, you know, dips it in a thing of water and leaves it there until he uses it again, wipes it off and hits, and gets many, many months out of one single acid brush. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I yeah. clean my ass. I just, I just rinse it off. Um, but I use silicone brushes. I do as I well. Like them. I use acid brushes. I just can't get into them. Maybe I'm using the wrong ones. Uh, the uh, I have a little like glue pot thing that uh, Rockler makes. It's uh, it's silicone, and so like if I have to do dovetails or if I've got to do any type of joinery or even if I have to do like uh, install dominoes and I need to, you know, swish around the glue inside, I have a little glue pot. It's a little cube that uh, seals up and. So I can keep some uh, extra glue that I hadn't used in there as opposed to, you know, just putting on a piece of cardboard and, you know, just wasting it because once you pour it out, you can't really put it back in. Uh, but I, I have a little glue pot that that helps a little bit. That's not much of a footprint of uh, <laughs> that I'm saving, though. Uh, I guess it, it helps in that I don't have to use uh, those little so- solo cups, the miniature yeah. uh, bathroom cups. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough question because I think most of the things we do in the shop yeah. don't really, re- other than finishing and what we're talking about, finishing and gluing stuff up. Yeah. They're really, other than wood, those are the only things that really end up in the trash as far as being, you know, more eco-friendly towards recyclables and landfill kind of thing. Yeah. But- other than that, all we're really doing is we're using electricity, mm-hmm. and most of the other scrap we have is wood. Yeah. yeah. So, I I don't know. We I just saw this question tonight for the first time, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to think about it. But it's the, a good it's a good question. The only other thing, because we reuse tools, you know, we Obviously. we use everything like hand tools, power tools, everything we reuse, and the only other thing that I could think of. And this may be dumb um, and this may not even be an issue anymore, but I know that there are environmentally friendly bit and blade cleaners that when you're done, you pour back in the mm-hmm. bottle and reuse. Yeah. Really? I reuse yeah. all my bit and blade cleaners just because I'm cheap and it says on the bottle you can. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only reason I use it when I do use it. Yeah. That's those huh. are the, only, the only things that I could think of. So I to Start doing that. You've been throwing yeah. them away. See, you got too much money over there for you. That, no, I, I, that rocket I use, engine uh, engineer, whatever you are. I just use a uh, simple green. You probably just buy all new bits when you're when they're when they're dirty, don't you? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> I use this bit once. I'm gonna throw it out. I think <laughs> yeah. simple green. You can put down the drain. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's environmental right. inferno. Yeah. Yep. Good. Yep. That's yep. good to know. There's all wow. there's something that comes in an orange uh, orange that I use. I forgot. Yeah, the name. that's the trend is the orange stuff. The stuff I use, anyways. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what we got from Rockler and Woodcraft. Well, trend. Uh, yeah. Bitten bike or stuff. I don't know what I. I really don't know what else there is other than stuff like that. Yeah, I don't because we don't. There, there's not much of anything else we get rid of outside of the wood. I, I reuse the glue. I buy the small because uh, all the rockler attachments, like the glue spreader, and uh-huh. the, uh, fit onto the tight bond bottles. So I buy the tight bond bottles, a couple of those, and I've had the same one for like years. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. You don't, I mean, a plastic bottle, like I'd use the glue bot mainly because of the different tips and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can just use any old glue bottle forever. Just refill it. Yeah. Yeah. And I buy disposable, I wouldn't say disposable, but they're, they're HDP plastic, which is recyclable. It's the same stuff like milk cartons are made out of. Yeah. Which is recyclable. And I have a big bag of uh, little squeeze bottles that I use and I use until the, the, <laughs> the tips get clogged up. And oh, for I, like for your shellac and stuff for shellac. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are I, they made I, out of HDP? Yeah, they're HDP. Okay. And then I just take them and well, I, I bought them because they were HDP and I knew I could recycle them. Ah, so, uh, yeah. So I put that stuff in there and then I, I throw it in the recycle bin. Well, that's another thing, you know, just because I know where I live, I don't want to say we're forced to recycle, but we have a separate, you know, recycle days when they pick up the yep. trash and we have a separate recycling bin. Mm-hmm. We don't use our own trash cans. I, mm-hmm. It really drives me absolutely insane that I can't use my own trash can. But anyways, <laughs> we have, we have a special can for it. And it, I don't want like I said, I don't want to say we're forced to do it, but. It's something even before we had the separate can, we've always recycled our stuff. Yeah. And we put it in a separate thing and they would pick it up on a different day and you'd put it in a different, different can. So mm-hmm. anyways, I think recycling is, is, a, is a good first step towards a lot of that stuff. Buy stuff that's recyclable. Mm-hmm. Like the wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Recycle it. <laughs> cool. Well, although that helps, let's uh, talk about what we got going on in our own shops. I'm going to call on um, Guy. What do you got going on in shop? And my own shop is typical, nothing. We. Oui. What about you? No, I was joking. But at, <laughs> at, at work, um, right now, I'm we're working on two separate. We're finishing up two separate. Actually, I finished up one project yesterday, which was for a school system that had, I don't know, there was like eight or nine credenzas and the production team did a bunch of tabletops. I finished up installing drawers for that yesterday. And while that was going on, Eric and I have been working on this big, huge reception desk made out of white oak. It's about 22 feet long. Oh my goodness. It has to be delivered in four pieces. Um, and... We started assembling the top yesterday. I should say Eric started assembling the top yesterday. I've been working on drawers 
installing drawers in the cabinets, mainly because they're they're they got these. I posted a thing on Instagram today for it. They they wanted these locks that lock from they got like that. There's four banks of four drawers, and they want one lock to unlock everything. Oh gosh. Wow. So there's a special lock you put in the side. It's got a metal bar that goes down the inside of the cabinet and bars that stick out that are adjustable. And when you twist the lock, it, the bar goes up and down and locks into a, a divot that you've put into the drawer bottom. Oh, okay? wow. Yeah. So it sounds easy, but you know we can only use, because the way it works, we can't use an undermount drawer slide, which is what we normally use. So everything had to be... Uh, side mount side mount yeah and i'd never installed this thing before and they didn't come with any directions and i couldn't find anything online about them i don't even know what the hell they're called so i spent 10 hours <laughs> i know exactly how long it took me i spent 10 hours installing four drawer boxes with one side with one lock just because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I had to take it, put it in, and, and take it out, and put it in, and take it out, and put it in, and take it out, put it in. But you have to, I had to take out all the, the, the guide rails every time because that has to sit behind. Them. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it just took a lot of time. And it's, you know, it was 100 degrees today, so it's 110 in the shop, and it's just miserable. So that's what I've been doing. I've been, I've been dealing with that. So tomorrow I can, I, now that I know what I'm doing, the, the other three cabinets will go by fairly fast. What do you got you going on, Sean? Oh, me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. No, nothing. I've been trying to uh, source some lumber that I've been uh, having some trouble finding. So uh, I've got a commission piece coming for a plant stand, but they want a live edge top. And they want it to be stained to match existing furniture. Yeah. So um, mm. I tried to find oak just because it would match the the type of grain. Couldn't find a live edge oak. So I found a source on ash. So I'll just wait for that to be kiln dried. It's going to be about another four weeks. Um, so other than that, I've been pulling down cabinets in my shop and going to uh, give them to a coworker because um, I no longer need them now that the miter saw station is done. I was able to take all three, the stuff in all three of the cabinets and use and out of, and put them in four drawers that I have in this miter saw cabinet out of the eight, 10. Is it because you got rid of all the crap you didn't need or it's just because the drawers are better than doors? Yes. Second. Yeah. Yeah. I did throw away maybe a couple of small things, but no majority. I mean, it just, they all fit in four drawers, which left me a lot of, a lot of extra room. Um, I'm going to be building some additional cabinets above the miter saw station. Uh, they're just the ones I had up there didn't match. And plus I'm going to oh, do okay. something a little bit different, but as of right now, there's no, no wall cabinets on. Well, I still got three, but not. I'll are you going to build those yourself or are you going to buy them? What the new, have somebody custom make them for you on the, the new cabinets? Yeah. I'd build them myself. It was a joke, Sean. Oh, I couldn't tell. <laughs> being facetious. How dare you? No, sorry. It's all right. But no, that's, I've been, I've not, I'm not done much woodworking at all. I've been dealing with that stuff and uh, yeah. So that's, that's all I've had going on in shops. So I'm going to kick it over to Hui. What about you? Man, I've had quite a bit happen in the shop. Uh, so 
Last time we talked, I was working on a dining table for a lady in, in New York, and she had sent me these brass Mastercraft is the brand name uh, or who made them brass bases. Uh, they're art deco in design. And she wanted a walnut table that was eight and a half feet long, 46 inches wide made for her. So the last time we talked, we had that, I had that assembled. I sent it off to the CNC shop and uh, they made these uh, indentures for the uh, brass bases to fit in. I then machined uh, threaded inserts into the tabletops and had that all attached. And I also uh, put in brass inlay. And this is the first time I've ever worked with brass and wood together. And I put in brass inlay, eighth inch wide inlay into the table. And it looks That's pretty great. wide. Yeah, I worked with brass inlay once, but it wasn't eighth inch thick. Yeah. Uh, so I got that in there. Uh, it looks great. It uh, Can I tell you, brass uh, scrapes really well with mm -hmm. a card scraper. And uh, that's how I cleaned it all up. Uh, applied finish, and it is off to her. Had the shipper pick it up on Sunday, and uh, they are delivering it to her on Monday. So happy to get that out of the shop. And then I took a whole bunch of the scraps from the walnut table, and I'm making <laughs> a, a cutting board. First time I've ever made a cutting board. I've never made a cutting board ever before. Made a cutting board for my coworker who is retiring uh, next Thursday. Oh, and, and then I'm giving also... him a cutting board. How long has he worked there, Lee? <laughs> Listen, he's getting a whole lot of other things too. How long has he worked? A lot of plaques and whatnot. Oh gosh, thirty years. Yeah, thirty years. I worked somewhere thirty years. You give me a plaque, I'm gonna smack in the ass with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's getting a lot of. Other I things. want money. He's getting a pension, and a whole... anyway. So, uh, so I did that for him. And then the last thing that I did was I made a sample board for uh, a client. Uh, my next client is a dining table, a country style dining table that hopefully will start this weekend. Oh, and I also got uh, a coffee table taken apart that a client asked me to repair for them. It's uh, the dog had chewed the corners up on this coffee table that her grandfather had made. So I'm rebuilding the top for her. That's it. It's a lot. Indeed. That's cool though, man. The uh you sent me that picture of the brass inlay. It looks that was really clean. It looked good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for this show. You have to send us your questions. We are literally running out of the questions. So uh remember this podcast. We're start making them up. Yep. We're, yeah. we're gonna be making names. Be making names and everything. <laughs> so you'll never know what's real and what's not. That'll be the game. <laughs> uh, please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community when we have them so if you have woodworking questions you would like answered you can send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or dm us through instagram at woodshoplife we'd also like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on itunes it really helps in the search rankings and of course we truly appreciate the support and feedback you can reach me at simplecove.com and at simplecove on Instagram and YouTube. Hui, where can they find you? Alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are on my website. And Guy, where can we find you? Um, pretty much on any social media platform that I'm on. Just search for Guy's Wood Shop and you'll find me. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.
See ya. Awesome. Bye. Bye. See you.